Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Many of you missed last Wednesday night and, uh, you know, we sent a message out to say we've got Ringo from Africa. I'm sure many of you missed it. And, um, you know, when we send, we try to plan ahead. I, I never want a church that's full of meetings. I can't stand meetings. I want as much time, I want you to have as much time with your family and friends. Yeah? yeah? And, and so that, that's, that's how you grow churches, by relationship. You know, t- if we keep doing evangelistic things that are not real, they're just like, like bolt-ons, they're, they're, they're made up. And they're not sustainable, and they cost a lot of money. And they go for conversion. You know, you've got 10 minutes starting from now to give your life to Christ. And if you don't, never mind, we'll have a mission in two years' time, and you'll get another chance. <laughs> so I've got rid of all that, and I've just said, no, we are the mission, yeah. and I'm not after converting you, I'm after connecting with you. Yeah. Conversion's down to yourself. Yeah. You've got to choose that you want it. Yeah. Can you see what I'm saying? And if you don't want it, still hang out with us. Why? Because come with us, and we'll do you good. Yeah. So here's the thing. We call a meeting... And it's last minute to some extent. But what I expect is for you to cancel what you've got on and come. Yeah. There's a thought. <laughs> now, if you've got work on, that's different. You know, use your, but if you can get out of it, I don't mean out of work, you can rejig, then you should rejig. But half the time, I can't be bothered. But where there's a want to, you'll find a way to. Yeah. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. I'm, I'm speaking fast because I want to get into my talk. My talk's <laughs> awesome. This is just challenging you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want a church that can turn on a sixpence. And I want to be a leader that can turn on a sixpence. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so what's, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And we have to learn to turn on a sixpence. And when there's an opportunity that comes like last Wednesday, we didn't know, but we thought it was going to be a good night, but it was even better than that. The yeah. meeting lasted four hours. Yeah. Four hours. How long can Dave preach for? Well, Ringo preached, and I thought, well, well I'll have a little go. <laughs> and as I was summing up the meeting, the Holy Spirit began began to work and give me words for people. And so I just kept going with it. And hours passed. It went, it went like that. <laughs> it went like that. But, but people were influenced and impacted. And my heart the day after, on the night, but also the day after was, where were everybody? We missed it. If you didn't come, you missed it. You absolutely missed it. And it's worth more than gold. It's worth more than a year's, two years, ten years wages. A moment of favour with God is worth a lifetime of labour. A moment of favour is worth a lifetime of labour. That's me, me talk tonight, but I'm going to go back to turning on a sixpence. And you can say, well, you know, it's a little bit late. People get all caught up with this. Oh, nobody texts me, nobody emails me. Nobody. It's your job to find out. It's your job to find out. And sometimes we slip through the net and that's fine. And that's why it's good to record things because then those who, who, you know, slip through the net, you, you would just know where you could get it. We'll get it to you. That's not a problem. But here's the thing. In society, it's like nobody told me this, nobody told me that. In global, it's like you rise above the level of no responsibility and you say, it's my responsibility to be informed. When we first started global 14 years ago, I was struggling with the internet. I thought I was great just switching a computer on. And we had just a few old people in the church and, and you always get somebody who speaks up on behalf of somebody else in a church. I'm not speaking for myself, I'm just speaking for this old lady. Well, don't speak for her. It's 
say, Darren, shut up. <laughs> Why? Because we've got it covered. But they just want to cause hassle. They just want to like, well, how is she going to find out? Well, she gets on a computer, like everybody else. And it's like, but she can't use a computer. So what am I getting to? So I was as straight as that. I was straight back at people 14 years ago. And I said, that old lady has more reserves in her, more ideas about how to make things happen than any of us. She's lived longer. And I said, what do you do? What did she do when she didn't have a telephone, but somebody in her area did have a telephone? You go to the person with the telephone, yeah? What happens if you don't know a computer? Go and find a mate who's got a computer and say, anything happening? Can you send a message to Dave and tell him how great he is? <laughs> Underneath foot PS, I'm only joking. Can you see what I'm saying? Instead of going, well, everyone wants to find, not everybody, but the fault finders want to find fault. And I want to say, go somewhere else. Why? Because we're not building a church of fault finders. But you know what? If you can't use a computer, if you can't get in touch or whatever, you've got to have good people skills. People have got to like you in order to help you. And I want that kind of church. In so many churches, people don't want to help each other because they're horrible. Who would want to help them? And they have to say this to themselves in a church. Well, what would Jesus do? I suppose he'd help. I want an energy. Last night, I couldn't get out of the Biltmore for the hugs from my church. That's awesome. That's a- Everybody were trying to buy me drinks last night. I'm glad, you know, none of them had the insight to pay it on for tonight. Th- thanks, everybody. Absolutely awesome. And that's what we're like with each other. We actually like each other, Yeah. So you missed something awesome last week. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus. He said, unless you hate, everyone say hate, Hate. your mother and father, you you have no walking with me, you have no work with me, you can't follow me. Now then, Jesus is God come in the flesh. He created family. He understands family. So clearly, he doesn't want us to hate our family, yeah? So he's trying to get at something. And because we're not Jewish, we don't understand where he's coming from. So you've, you've got to understand, he's going to hyperbole, he's going straight in and saying, and your love for God has got to be so strong and powerful, it makes your love for your family seem like hatred. Can you see? He's making a point. That's a big point to make. And, and you know, people say, well, I love Jesus, but church, well, oh, church has hurt me. Shut up and sit down, please. How many people have you hurt? How many people have... Don't put your hand up. (laughs) We've all hurt people. Churches hurt me, and then they just want to lick their wounds, and I'm like, can we have the dynamic of the gospel that says all things have passed away, all things become new? That there's healing in the name of Jesus. You know, we do get hurt. Life's tough. I've been married to Shelley for 33 years next month. She's actually been married to me for the same length of time. (laughs) Have we hurt each other? Yes, we have. Have we learned to forgive each other? Yes, she has. <laughs> so, of, of course we have. But you have to learn to forgive and forget and move on. I want to build a church that we actually like each other. Yeah. And that we're so big, we don't get into detail with each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where you can just meet it. Who loves it when somebody comes up and goes, you're awesome. And you don't care whether they know you're not, you just take the compliment. Do you reckon? And it's fantastic. I want a church like that. Why? I don't want a church where we're all in each other's houses and, and knowing each other's business. There's too much. It's like nosy parkers. Everybody knows everybody's business in church. Nobody can keep a, a secret in this church. So it's better that the more of us there is, 
the gossip takes longer to get round. <laughs> I can remember announcing that somebody was having a baby before the parents knew and the parents were sat there. <laughs> How do you get out of that? Even I, I would try, but I would dig in. You know, I would dig in. So, so when the leaders put it out, what's the point of having leaders if you don't submit to them? And I don't mean submit like slavishly. What I mean is, is that they're saying something for the goodness of your, 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 your life. And so it's like, come to this. Yeah. We don't put many meetings on, so when we do, you need to come. Yeah. You just need to be there. Yeah. And, and of course, if you fell through the cracks, that's, that's fine. That, you, you know, get off the hook. But let this be an opportunity to waken you up to the, the, uh, the, the culture of global. Yeah. We will turn on a sixpence. We're a movement, not a monument. We love saying, ooh, we're not a monument. We're not like churches that used to meet in old fuddy-duddy places like this. We're not like them. No, we're a movement. No, we're not. If you can't turn on a sixpence, you're stuck. Yeah. And a movement isn't. And we turn on a sixpence. Yeah. My problem is I want town councils and city councils to turn on a sixpence, and they won't. <laughs> I'm thinking that's because you're a monument. <laughs> but I, I, I want a church that can turn. Yeah. You know, Jesus could lead his disciples. He's got to become number one in your life. And you say, well, he is. It's just church. No, no, your love for Jesus is the same as your love for church. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. Jesus said, whatever you do for the least of these, my brothers, you do it for me. Right. So when you say, I love Jesus, that's an emotion. That's not love. John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Our love for Jesus is expressed in, in obeying his commands. His greatest thing on this earth was this, I have come to build my church. Yeah. That's what he's come to do. He came to, yes, to bring salvation, but he had to, he had to find something yeah. to call a people to. Yeah. Because God has always been known to his people. Yeah. And, and so he, he, had, he had to pull the people together. He said, I will build my church. That was the thing. And he, he said, when, when Peter got the revelation, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, it was as though Jesus said, now they've got it. Now I can go to the cross. First thing that Jesus spoke afterwards was, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'll be handed over to sinful men and they will do to me whatever they want. They will kill me. But three days later, I will rise again. Yeah. Every time he spoke about his death, he spoke about his resurrection because he knew it was planned. It was foreordained. Goodness me. When you get hold of this, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and live by his righteousness, not your own. Who's failed in life? Just put your hand up if you've ever failed. Keep your hand up if you failed badly. <laughs> right? See, that's your righteousness. Put your hands down. That counts for nothing anyway. Because when you get it right, you think, oh, aren't I good? That doesn't count for anything with God. It's his righteousness. Yeah, yeah. So what do I mean by that? It, it means this. When you give your life to Jesus, you've been given righteousness, and it's his. Yeah. And now you live by that righteousness. Yeah. You live by his righteousness, not your own, because your own runs out. You need supernatural strength to live in that state. Every day, you've got to stand up and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah. In other words, my spirit is perfect in God's eyes. I'm not perfect. I mean, language isn't perfect. My thinking isn't perfect. That's why we have to work on them things. Yeah. But your spirit, when you are born again, is perfect. Yeah, yeah. You are a new creation. And we don't have to keep looking behind. When was the last time you were a caterpillar saying, not a caterpillar, a butterfly saying, 
I used to be a caterpillar. I used to be a ca- going on and on about it. caterpillar. You never, I've never heard a butterfly said, have you? <laughs> Don't entertain it if you do. So we want a church that turns on the sixpence. We want a church, we want a church that puts church first. So I put Jesus first. It's language. It's semantics. It's just language. It, it's, it's a lot of... It's a, I can't say the word that's in my head, but it's a load of rubbish. It is a load of rubbish. Um, and what we've done as Protestants, we have, we have separated Jesus and church, and you can't. You can't. And you say, well, church is rubbish. Give over having a go at church being rubbish. Go and become part of a church that's brilliant. Let's make it brilliant, because we are the church. I want it to be brilliant. When I fail, I want, I want brilliant people to come around and say, keep going, Dave. Not in your failure. Turn around, let's get you going again. Yeah, that's a brilliant church. We think a brilliant church is where you never get anything wrong. So, are we ready for tonight's talk? Come on, church. When when we have a service like this, join in the singing. And uh, if you don't know the words, close your eyes, raise your hands, you'll fit in with everybody else. And um, you know, let's move to it when I'm speaking. If it's good, just say that's good. In fact, let's have a try. That's good. Oh, Dave, that's beautiful. Yeah, too much drama. Because <laughs> so, if you join in, we don't know how to do this. Yeah. This is called creating community. Yeah, yeah. In the past, people would have that. Yeah. But we've lost that as a nation, so now we have to create community. Yeah. Can you remember? I bet you can't, most of you. We used to be a, a nation that could do congregational singing. Yeah. Cliff Richard got up at, at, Wembley, a few, at Wimbledon sorry, a few, a few years back. Does anyone remember? Oh, the young ones. Darling, with the young ones. He gets up, and everyone's like looking as if to say, Who's this weirdo? But he remembers the day when people would just join in, and they, yeah. you know, they joined in with him and whatever he sang, I can't remember. But they joined in a little bit, but it was the oldies that joined in, not the youngies. Yeah? We've lost congregational singing, and now it's like, What do we do? Oh, no, we're going to sing an hymn. Whereas in the past, we'd understand what we were doing. Now it's got to be at football or rugby before we sing. Yeah? And 10 pints. But so, so we've got to learn, that's why we say, you know, talk back to the speaker. You know, talk back, join in. Why? Because it creates an atmosphere. We have to learn to create an atmosphere. Look at all the light in here. We are working so hard to create some sort of atmosphere. Yeah? We keep the lights fairly low unless you're a speaker and you've got two coming at you like that. But men don't like light. Men want to come into a darker area. Yeah? Because we, we just want to, we don't want to, be, want to be noticed too much. And so I've took that on board, that's feedback. You know, I've read books on this kind of thing that, that spoke to me, because I'm thinking, I think like that. Yeah. And I was glad somebody wrote books about it, because now I can give myself permission <laughs> to sit at the back in the dark, <laughs> picking my nose. <laughs> can you see? We want to be on the cutting edge of where people are at. Yeah. And, and so we, we've got to learn how to do this, how to create community, no matter how technological we get. There's going to come a day, I'm telling you, where you walk out your door, get on a conveyor belt, and it takes you to work. I can't wait till they make a machine that dresses you. I just can't be bothered in my life. Just do it to me. But no matter how technological we get, we're going to crave community. We are. And so we're going to have to learn to be community. We're going to have to learn to get on with each other and say you're sorry sometimes. Climb down off your big self-righteous tree and say you're sorry. You're not always right. Did you know that? Not to self. Ignore not to self. <laughs> okay, one well, moment of favour is worth more than a lifetime of labour. In other words, take the lift. 
Where did that come from? Take the lift. Who's ever gone up ten flights of stairs and you get up and you know, you're, you're looking smart, you're dressed sharp, you get to the top and you're dripping with sweat. And you've just gone up ten flights of steps. Favour is like taking the lift. You press a button, step in, it lifts your right up faster than you could ever get there and in great condition. You step out of the lift and think, can I take the lift? Just nudge somebody outside of you and say, take the lift. You've got to take the lift. You've got to take the lift. The Bible's full of God's favour coming upon ordinary people like you and me. Ordinary people. So a teenager, I love teenagers because they're daft enough to believe stuff. And they've got adventure. Most teenagers, they've got adventure in the soul unless they're they were mollycoddled as a, a, as a baby. A moment of favour is worth a lifetime of labour. And God spoke to a young 17-year-old kid. And he says, you are going to become Captain Fantastic. He's going to be Captain Marvel. He said, no, you're Captain Fantastic. <laughs> Listen to this. At the end, sorry, let, let me give you the story. It's the story of Joseph. You know the story. If you've been coming here any time, you know the story. If you don't, you can read the story in uh, Genesis chapter 38 and onwards. Well, this young kid is given a message from God. You're going to become great and you're going to be a leader. Even your brothers and your mum and dad are going to bow down to you. And he went and told everybody. And so his brothers were so angry, they threw him into a pit. In fact, they wanted to murder him. But one of his brothers said, don't kill him, let's sell him. Pulled him out of the pit and they sold him into slavery. Then they got him into slavery, he gets sold again. Imagine, he must have felt bad. You know, he's been sold twice now. And, uh, and he's, he, he, a guy called Potiphar, uh, a wealthy man, he buys him in the slave market and uh, checks his teeth and his bum and his dangleberries and everything. Everything's working fine. So then he takes him home and his wife goes for him. His wife wants to sleep with him. But this kid was brought up with respecting God and his word and his commands. And he just said, I will not sin against God or my master. My master has kept everything out of my... Uh, uh, sorry has not kept anything out of my reach. I'm in charge of everything except you. Do you know what? He respected his boundaries. That's an amazing thing. You know, that's a message for somebody tonight. When someone gives you trust, respect the boundaries. Respect them. The woman cries rape. He gets thrown into prison. But there's a trait about this fella and and there's a, a, a refrain that goes on in his life. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was, and the Lord was with Joseph. And it made all the difference. It's, 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 not, it's not about what you can do in life. It's about who's with you. Yeah. God can do so much. A moment of favor is worth a lifetime of labor. Yeah. So God was with Joseph. And it's just an amazing thing. And so another refrain is that, that nobody worried about what they had to do because Joseph was so aware and such a servant, he went and, and, uh, and was diligent in his jobs. And so he was so good at what he did, the masters never bothered about him. Even when he was in prison, the guy who ran the jail says, I don't have to worry about a thing. Joseph's in there, a dream uh, convict. <laughs> and so then two guys get thrown into prison. Uh, they've displeased Pharaoh, the king. Pharaoh simply means king. They've displeased him. He throws them into prison. And they had two dreams. And they were troubled. And Joseph was so aware of people. He's walking past one day, maybe mucking out or doing something. And he looks and he sees these two guys. They're down. They're new in the prison. They're a bit, they, they, they were downcast, the Bible says. And he went and said, what's the matter? 
See, most people just get on with their lives. But there was something on Joseph that cared about people. And he just said, what's the matter, guys? And they told him. And he says, he said, you know what? This is what's going to happen to you. I've heard your dream. And he interpreted the dreams for them. God gave him a gift. And he interpreted the dreams. And they came through. One got hung and the other one got promoted. And when the guy was leaving that got promoted, Joseph said to him, remember me when you get out. You would, wouldn't you? Remember me when you, got out, when you get out. And he's, what a flimsy connection. And when the guy got out, he forgot him. And I'm glad the Bible puts that in there. Who's ever felt forgotten by somebody? Who's ever thought you're my last hope? You're my last chance to lose? Yeah? And they've gone. And they have forgotten you. But God didn't forget him. And God's not forgotten you. I don't know who, who I'm speaking to tonight, but God's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten his plan for your life. And although the plan for your life has gone in all over it, Sean, you're, you know, lots of bad things have happened, stick to the plan. The vision will prove true, it says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. It says that. Stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. So he stuck to the plan. And then Pharaoh had a dream, two dreams, and they meant the same thing. And, and so he gets Joseph out of prison. Well, sorry, this guy remembers and he says, Pharaoh, you know, there's a guy in prison. He's got a gift to interpret dreams. So they sent for him. And Joseph that night had gone to bed in prisoner's pyjamas. Well, he woke up in prisoner's pyjamas and he was unshaven. And they had, they had to shave him. They had to shower him because the Egyptians didn't like beards. So they shaved him, they showered him and they put some nice clothes on him, brought him before Pharaoh he interpreted the dreams and give God the glory. He didn't say, yeah, I'm your man. He just said, God will give me the interpretation. And he spoke in. And he spoke at a level to somebody who had the authority to promote him. And there's people in here that you're going to very soon, if you haven't already, you've been speaking to people and they have the authority to promote you. And promotion's coming. Promotion's coming your way. Belief for it. Could be in business, could be in education whatever, but promotion's coming. It's a shame for me. I've no Archbishop of Global to promote me. Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in a second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. That's promotion. Yeah. He put a gold ring on his finger. He put the latest clothes on him. And he, and he put a chain on his neck. And he had him ride a pimped up chariot. And the people were like bowing down and stuff like that. He had honoured him. God's favour will bring honour in your life. I don't care how much we've messed around. 
when you get serious with God, when you get real with God, and his favour hits your life, honour will hit your life. And never will you want to go back to being a divvy. But you don't go back to it. Why? Because you taste the honour and you think, I was born for greater things. You were born for greater things. You were born. I don't care what your postcode is or who your mum and dad is. I don't care about your family, whether they were bad or anything like that. You were born for greatness. And it's not a coincidence that you've started coming to global because greatness will meet you. Greatness will meet you. Because God is with us to lift us up. We are a church that's going somewhere. And that's why I want a church that can turn on a, a sixpence. I want a church that's flexible. And when they hear God's voice, it's like, boom, I'm, I'm going. And I don't mean God's voice when you're on your own in your bedroom praying. I mean God's voice when a leader says, this is what we want. Yeah. Can God speak through leaders? Yeah. If he can speak through donkeys, he can speak through anybody. <laughs> but how much more can he speak through leaders if he can speak through donkeys? Yeah. I'm just saying, I wouldn't have any donkey. Uh, as a leader, I choose my donkeys, not just any donkey. <laughs> God's favour on Joseph's life is amazing. Just in that one day, one hour with Pharaoh, and he became commander in chief of the whole nation. One hour. One hour with Pharaoh. God did in one hour. What all his life had been building up to, but God did in one hour. One hour of favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. Imagine what you have to do to try and become prime minister. What hoops you have to jump through. He didn't even go to university. It's just amazing. God raised him up. Sing after me. He raised me up. <laughs> a bit hot in here. I just thought, let's just throw a little bit in there. What about this one on favour? Everyone's just said favour. Favour is great. Favour is like taking the lift rather than running up the stairs. Walking out the lift as fresh as a daisy, ready to crack on. Never lost any energy. Just got on with life. Here we go. Psalms 30 says this. For his anger is but for a moment. His favour is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Anybody been doing a lot of weeping recently? Or a bit of moaning and groaning like, God help me, God help me. Weeping may endure for a night, but you know what? The darkness is going for somebody because you know, laughter and joy comes in the morning. The dawn's breaking into somebody's life. Look for the dawn. Don't just wallow in the dark. Look for the light. I were in a tunnel once and I looked for the light and it came. <laughs> it was a train. <laughs> anyway, it, all goes, it, it goes wrong for me sometimes. I'm just saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 says this. This is the Apostle Paul, a murderer, who in the blink of a meeting with Jesus is transformed and changed from, from a murderer to a missionary. In the blink of, a, blink of an eye. In fact, while we're on eyes, God blinded him. Imagine having a conversion experience of Jesus reblinds you. We're all looking for prosperity. Imagine if God blinded you. Paul said this, Is this you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? God turned him around and he said this, did Paul? But by the grace of God, another word there, by God's favour, I am what I am. 
and his favour or grace towards me was not in vain, was not empty. But I laboured more abundantly than, than all these apostles, the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He's saying, I couldn't have achieved what I've achieved without God's favour on my life. He'd been shipwrecked, I don't know how many times, in shark-infested seas and survived. I only have to go swimming in Spain and I, I touch something that's just a little bit funny. Like, Can you imagine? All night, you know, days in an ocean. And that's the Apostle Paul. He'd been whipped and beaten and stoned and that's not with cannabis. Stoned with real stones. And he'd survive. Why? Because of God's favour. They stoned him so hard that they, they left him for dead. And then God, the resurrection, breathes life into him and he starts him again. At that point, I'd have been going, just let me die. Let me come home. No, no, we've got work for you to do. There's that four-letter word again. <laughs> work. But by the grace of God, or the favor of God, what is it in your heart? What do you live for? What is it that you want? Maybe you're weary tonight. Maybe you're tired of, of, of getting back up again and going. And I want to say, allow the Holy Spirit, by the favor of God, to infuse you with life. I like that word, infuse. I got it from like this drink with gin. And it's like, just infused. It's infused with that. I asked for a pint of grosh. Can you infuse that pint of grosh with some whatever you infuse drinks with? I said, sit down, you fairy cake. Psalm 67 said, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. That's favour. That your ways may be known on earth your salvation among all nations. If we're going to reach the nations, it can't just be phoning your mate in, in, uh, in another city somewhere in Britain or another city in somewhere in the world saying, uh, we're thinking of planting a church. It's going to take us forever. I'm looking for God's favour to touch us so that we just move out. And all of a sudden we look back and we say, how is it that we've got a hundred churches in a hundred cities? How is it that those churches are flourishing and growing? by God's favour. I want to step into the lift of church planting and let, it, let God take us to the top. None of us are frightened of work. All right, none of you are frightened of work. But you know what? It's faster when God's on the move. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. What about Esther? Favours all over the Bible. Esther, it's a great story. She won a beauty pageant. She won a beauty contest. And she won the king's heart. But Esther, she won this beauty contest. And, um, you know, this king, this king got shut of his wife because she wouldn't join, he'd have too much to drink and she wouldn't come and show herself and, and parade herself out in her beauty. And so he says, right, let's have a, get shut of her, let's have a beauty pageant and let's get somebody else. So they got, uh, they got somebody else. And Esther had been pampered for about 12 months and they put all oils on her and stuff. She was an oil slick for 12 months, I'm telling you. <laughs> and they did all this, that and the other and she went and she won the competition. How beautiful, hooray for Esther. Now, but Esther was a Jew, and the Jews were despised. And there was an edict sent out. The king got tricked to send out an edict. He didn't know she was a Jew. They were going to kill all the Jews. And Esther's uncle, Mordecai, everyone said Mordecai. Mordecai. That's what you need to call your son. If you have sons, call him Mordecai. That's a name. <laughs> Not Brian. Dave. Mordecai. So... So Mordecai says, Esther, you need to go into the king. And she says, I can't go into the king unless he invites me. If I walk in into the king's presence, he can, he can just turn around and say, 
get her out of here and it could cost me my life without an invitation you can't do that and Mordecai says you're going to lose your life anyway sweetheart and he says but if you don't help God's people at this time relief and deliverance will come from somewhere else but you will die she fasted for three days I bet she was terrified this poor girl you know up until that point she was pampered bit of a picture of church when you first become a Christian it's like you're pampered but after a while we're saying come on we're about the work of God's people let's get cracking it's not that we don't matter it's just that we don't matter that much that we all spend our time putting oils on you and stuff like that you know what I'm saying so she goes into the king's presence you know what she said if I perish I perish that's how we're going to build churches with that mentality whatever it takes if it's good great if it's bad so what we're going to go nothing's going to stop me but you've got a kid you can't go live abroad with your kid yes I can I can do all things through Christ but you haven't got a job if you leave this is a great job for you if you go to wherever you're going to go to plant a church it's like you've got to start all over again yeah if I perish I perish my life's in his hands but God's calling me where his finger points I'll go and I'll trust that where his finger points his hand provides yeah all sounds good here I'm going to remind you when you're in Glasgow I'm going to remind you there's the Kelly Knives round here and that's just the kindergarten <clears throat> I won't even come and visit you I'll send one of my leaders I'm not that daft so Esther goes in without the king's permission she risks her life but you see God's favour is on her life now it happened that's why she won the competition I don't I don't do the lottery I don't because if I did I'll probably win <laughs> and then I'll be on front pages Dave Sean what do you do Dave I'll be paying for the necklace <laughs> all the church going get me 10 tickets get me 10 tickets everyone's in debt but Dave's really doing well <laughs> God's favour is like that you can have too much of it you can what about Jesus he had to heal people and said don't say anything why because his public thing he was going up you know he's like I want to keep it down because I need to keep ministering God's favour was so powerful in his life he had to hold it down you, you, I want to get to that point where I have to handle God's favour on my life and not just be like begging for it Esther chapter 5 says this now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal everyone say royal put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal everyone say royal, royal. he sat on his royal throne in the royal house everyone say royal. royal there's a lot of royalty in this passage facing the entrance of the house so it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favour in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand so instead of killing her he's now saying I didn't expect this you're interrupting me but do you know what you can come on in I bet she breathed a sigh really I bet she, inside you're going yes God yes God you're amazing then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter and the king said to her what do you wish Queen Esther what is your request it shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom wow that's God's favour 
Esther got up to half of the kingdom because of God's favour and her requests were granted. Favour will cause you to have supernatural increase. Get ready, I'm going to say a word Ian, and if it's you, put your hand up because you say, I want that. Get ready. I'm going to do seven of them, I think. Or eight, or probably seven. It's God's number. <laughs> supernatural increase. Restoration of things that have died. Increased assets. Great victories. Not just victories, but great victories. God's favour will bring you recognition like he did with Joseph. When everybody had put him down and said he's a jailbird. And he gets up and now he's Pharaoh's right-hand man. Everyone says zippity-doo-dah. There we go. Prominence. Preferential treatment at work. Petitions granted. Policies, rules and regulations changed. Battles won which you don't have to fight. Everyone say, yeah. yeah. Everyone say, yeah, like you mean it. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Why well, want a church that's absolutely pumping with the supernatural, infusing the natural, reflecting back from the natural the fact that God is with us. Yeah. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 